You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome, welcome. This is a uh, pretty big show. There were two pretty big events that have happened for Florida State this past weekend. So there was the first fall scrimmage um, where Florida State players kind of got the closest thing to game action they've had since the spring game. Um, Mm -hmm. And there was a a commitment by a four-star running back, uh, which is, you know, an area of concern in recruiting uh, for, for a lot of fans, but the, the production on the field has been good. So um, a lot of things to talk about. We'll have a few guests coming in and out. And uh, so how are you doing, Coach AB? I am good. Um, back at home, you know, got back from Tally. <laughs> uh, wasn't actually in Tally, but was pretending to be uh, in Tallahassee with my uh, green screen. Had enough of that damn thing. And uh, yeah, so got the got the old bookshelf behind me here, the shelving. Um, ready to roll was pretty excited to, uh, get a commitment from Sam Singleton. Uh, anxious to talk to Zach about that because, uh, I don't know. I feel like, uh, I feel like there's a lot going on there. Um, so excited to talk to Zach about that here in a little bit. And then obviously excited to talk about the scrimmage. Um, I know Brendan's got a lot of stuff that he, uh, that he put up on, uh, Knowles 24 seven. Be sure if you're not a subscriber to get over there. Think the sixty percent off deal is over, but it doesn't matter. Get in there, show some love. Um, yeah, Brendan had the scrimmage scoop. Zach's obviously already starting to work on Duquesne game officials. Uh, <laughs> he dropped a big one today of a young man. It's going to be coming in a visit. It's not an official visit. It's an unofficial visit, but a huge prospect in the in the twenty twenty four class. A little tease there. So if you want to join up, go check that out. Please be sure to do so, and also be sure to check us out uh, tomorrow. We are going to be on the be- the on the bench pod network. Um, you know, it's the on the bench through Knowles twenty four seven. Wherever you get your pods, get on there, get sub. X's and Knowles is going to be on there. So, uh, yeah, if you want to listen to us twice after being in here in the live, <laughs> you know, make sure you get in there and, and uh, subscribe to it. Yeah, if you hopped in halfway through and want to catch the rest, it will be on yeah. YouTube on on the Knowles two four seven YouTube channel or on the Bench Network podcast. So. Uh, as much as we like uh, talking about where you can find us, I think we want to talk more about recruiting. So let's bring on kind of our resident recruiting expert, uh, Zach. How's well, it going, man? It's going well. How are you guys? Doing well. Zach, it was nice uh, having nice having AB in Tallahassee for a minute, but it, now he's back <laughs> in Delaware. So um, yeah, so you've been... You've, you've been around the recruiting scene. Uh, tell us about Sam Singleton. Yeah, so Sam Singleton, Florida State landed his commitment, um, I believe it was on Saturday, right, yesterday? Um, or is it two days ago? I don't know. I'm losing track of time. But Florida State, landed, lots his, going on. Yeah, Florida State landed his commitment. Um, he's a four-star running back, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. He is out of Orange Park, Fleming Island High School, over there near the Jacksonville area. Um, sits at five foot 11, 180 pounds. Um, and he picked FSU over other options like Penn State. Um, he's, he's had previous offers from LSU, Miami, Kentucky, Michigan State, Michigan, um, and, and over a dozen others. So um, 
you know, it was pretty noteworthy, right? Like the, this Florida State really hasn't recruited or I should say landed a blue chip running back out of the high school ranks in, in quite some time. Um, I think someone, um, I think it was Carter at, at the Democrat put up a stat saying that this would be Florida State's first blue chip. You know, if Sam Singleton did end up uh, signing uh, with FSU down the line, um, that it would be their first blue chip addition at the position through the high school ranks since like 2018, I believe. Um that's pretty crazy considering, you know, what Florida State does at running back historically <laughs> and what Mike Norvell um, does at the position um, or what what he has done with with guys at that position throughout his, his career, even at Memphis um, and, and early in his career at FSU. I mean, Jay Sean Corbin is a guy that, that has some NFL interest and um, we, we've seen some, you know, great things out of a, a former walk on like Trayshawn Ward. So. It was, a, it was a good addition. Um, I think we can break down the film even more and kind of get your guys' thoughts on it because I think that's that's really what people want to see. Um, but, but yeah, in my opinion, it was a good addition. I think he's got legit speed. Um, 10.86 is what he went in the 100. I believe that was in 2020. Um, I watched him at FSU Relays. It's a, it's a track meet that FSU hosts for high school and college athletes every year. Um, I believe that was back in March. He didn't run it. He didn't run like PR. He didn't uh, run 1086, but he, I think he ran below 11 still. Um, so he's a fast kid. Uh, I, I mean, you can see it on his tape. Like that, that's mm-hmm. what stands out the most, right? Yeah. Yeah. His wheels, his wheels stand out. I mean, it's what, uh, it's what his tape ends up being all about, in my opinion. Um, I think the balance is there. You're going to see, I mean, it's a pretty nifty play there. He kind of gets taken out by the turf monster and then keeps himself upright and then manages to pull away. Um, I think there's a little bit left to be desired out of this tape. Um, all in all, I like the take. I I don't know if he's as, is as good as he's ranked. Um, there's a nice little jump cut in the hole. We talk about the talk about some balance there. Um, you know, that's that's something like a Dalvin Cook was was known for was his ability to just make a move full speed in the hole because he was so balanced. Is is a uh, you know he, he stays within his stays within his shoulder pads and is able to just kind of be kind of be up over his knees and just runs real smooth. Um, I'm not comparing this young man to, to Dalvin Cook at all, but sounds like I, you're comparing him done to Dalvin Cook tape, at all. Especially <laughs> Dalvin Cook in your book. So yeah. AB says that this kid's as good as Dalvin Cook. Put that, no, uh, let's write that down. No, 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 um, no, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's it's really the speed that you see. It's the striding ability. Um, yeah, I, I think for me, the big question marks come in how does he do when he doesn't have have a massive hole to run through? So all, all of his highlight tapes, which um, this one's kind of breaking up, but everything you see on highlight film, he's generally not getting touched. He's just running free. Uh, I don't I don't know how that speaks to the level of competition he's playing, but um, you know when he's got open grass in front of him, he looks like a playmaker. He looks like someone that, I mean, worst case scenario, you you can put returning kicks and it can be a pretty dynamic mm-hmm. player in that area. Um, but yeah, I think we're kind of missing that film to see how does he handle a, a, a kind of congested box? How does he do when, you know, he's not out in space? Uh, and may, maybe yeah. he's more of a a guy that they more project to being more of a toe of Philly type role, more in that tailback where they can kind of place him out wide, make a one one cut route, route runner and then put him in the box to, to kind of run some outside zone and um, kind of just try to free him up and I mean, here he is running through through, through some tackles. So, 
Uh, yeah, but but again, it was an interior. It looked like inside zone, and then he bounces it outside, uh, which is going to happen from time to time. But in the college game, that doesn't tend to work because those guys can run with you. Um, it's actually some sort of some sort of power play almost. Yeah. Um, so you know he's he's bouncing this outside. It does look clogged up inside. I'm not saying that that's on him that he should try to stick his nose up in there, but that doesn't tend to work as well at the collegiate level. Um, Where you're you know, just so seeing I, none of it on the tape at all, right? Yeah, you're, you're yeah, not seeing yeah. him run through the through the through the interior of the defense really much right. at all on this tape. So yeah. something that's so, yet to be seen. So you know his vision concerned me a little bit. I'd like to see, be able to see some. Um, you know, I'd like to be able to see some of that on his tape. I'd also like to see from him, that was nice. <laughs> you know, just an ability to run inside a little bit more. Uh, you know, here, here it is again. He bounces it. You know, he just, he trusts his speed, which is great because it, it's there. But in, in the, you know, in the college level, you're going to have to run inside. You're going to have to hit these holes. And it, I think there's, there's a nice little stiff arm. Um, you, you know, in the, in the college game, he's going to have to find a way to trust up inside and to stick his nose in there. Um, you know, but look, we've talked all offseason about Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins wanting to be an outside zone team. You know, he does trans. You know, he does translate to that type of scheme. Um, you want to get this kid on a stretch zone or an outside zone. I think he's going to have success there. So, for what they want to be as an offense, um, you know, and the things that I think that they want to do, it's a it's a natural fit. Uh, it kind of felt like low hanging fruit, though. I mean. What other what other big time schools in the southeast were were on him, Zach? Yeah, I mean the only one you can really point to is Penn State. They were the last yeah. school to host him on a visit. Uh, it was an unofficial at the end of July. He visited there with with his little brother, who's a 2025 prospect at the same school. I believe he's a DB, um, and then a, a few of his teammates. So I don't know. I haven't talked to the the Penn State insiders on our our network and kind of figured out where they where he stood on their board. Um, but if I had to guess, I don't think he was like their top option because, you know, if we know Jawan Sider, um, the running backs coach over there, <laughs> yeah. he, he pretty much lands who he wants, especially in mm-hmm. the state of Florida. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly I don't know who is who is FSU's biggest competition. He, FSU is the only school to host him on an official visit um, throughout his recruitment that happened in June, um, that final weekend of June. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was pretty clear they want, wanted to lock him up. So, yeah. you know. I, I kind of agree with you, A.B. I think maybe um, – I mean, I think his ranking probably is around a, a, a low – in my book, it would, it would be like a low four-star, high three-star kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you love you love the potential of, of of his verified track speed, right? Like that that yeah. that, that right. usually translates well. Yeah. Um, and you, can, you can kind of see on his tape, like I, – I, Brendan noted this, and I kind of agree with it. Like he kind of runs like a sprinter, um, mm-hmm. like very upright – and, that, you know, that's not something you really like to see out of a running back no. uh, typically. So, you know, that's something that you can fix up um, technique wise at, at the next level. And and I think um, to, to give David Johnson credit, like I think he does a good job at that um, in, in coaching the guys um, or his guys in that room. Uh, like I, I think he's done a great job of getting Trey Benson kind of acclimated into into what they want to do on offense so far. Um, and we've seen the running back success already. Um, yeah. like, like I mentioned at FSU uh, under Norvell. So, you know, I'm not doubting them there, but, but I, I agree. I, I think, you know, there weren't a ton of, a ton of other suitors for him or, or legitimate suitors. So, 
maybe you can consider it low hanging fruit. I still think it's it's a nice addition. It's probably mm-hmm. one of the I better agree. high school additions that they've had at the running back position throughout Norvell's tenure. Yeah, which yeah, <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's a problem. I don't know. Um, yeah, I agree. But but I, no, I agree. It, it is a good take. He's a good get. I mean, it's not one of those players that. Um, you know, we should feel bad about having in the class. It's uh and it's not one of those guys that we're sitting here saying, Oh, he's underrated. He's underrated. No, I mean, he, he's got some legitimate traits that you can point to and be happy about. Um, who was the lead on his recruitment? I mean, the lead was, was, uh, in our book was, was David Johnson. Um, he's the guy that, that, you know, ran point as far as contact, but there were other people. John Papuchas is the area recruiter, um, in Jacksonville. Okay. Um, so he was involved there. Obviously, we know JP does a great job. Yeah. Um, and there, there are a few off-the-field guys. I think Kiwan Ratliff was involved. Um, he was someone that, that spent a lot of time with him on his official at the end of June. Um, and, the, and I'm sure there are a few others. But JP and, and Yak were the two main on-field guys that were involved. Do we, do we think they're going to go anywhere else at running back? Are they, are they looking at any other guys? I know, you know you've got a little bit of youth in that room, but uh, I mean, you've got to be trying to fill it out here. Um, you know, are they going to look at, are they going to look for another running back or, or is Singleton going to be it? They're definitely going for two. I was told that a few uh, months ago by, by a good source that they, they're looking for two in this class. That that's their clear goal. They would have liked to have Dalen Smothers paired with, with Sam Singleton, but Smothers, right. Smothers uh, opted to go to OU, Oklahoma. Um, so where they turn from here, there's a few options. Michael Mitchell um, is a guy that, that they're evaluating still. Um, he was up at Seminole Showcase. He's committed to Utah right now. Um, and I think if FSU were to offer, it wouldn't take long for him to flip his commitment to FSU. He, he grew up a huge fan. Um, the thing with him is he, he's got some off-the-field stuff to work on. I think grades are an issue. Um, so, so if he gets that sorted out, I could see him being a possible addition as, as that second running back in this class. Um, besides that, I mean, there, there's a few others that, that they're in on. Um, I don't you know, I wouldn't consider them a legit player for a guy like uh, Christopher Johnson out of Fort Lauderdale Dillard mm-hmm. down in South Florida. Really speedy. I think he ran 10-4 in the 100, uh, which is crazy speed. Um, yeah. And he's really good. So yeah. uh, it sounds like Ole Miss and maybe Miami and Clemson are the top three there. Um, they tried to get – FSU tried to get him on campus at the end of July. They weren't able to. He, he went to Ole Miss that weekend. So um, if they want to get in that, they're obviously going to have to host him on campus this season, which is kind of hard for those South Florida kids that play on a Friday night and then have to, you know, make the trek up to Tallahassee the next day for a game. Um, Besides that, I mean, there's, there's more options on the, on the table, but the guys that I mentioned are probably the most likely. Um, And we've seen at that position, they're not scared to go portal, right? I mean, Sean Corbin was an addition through the portal, Trey Benson, who, who seems like he's going to be running back one or two for them this season was an addition through the portal. So, um, they're definitely not scared to do that. That could certainly be an option. Maybe if they don't have any guys that they feel like they should take through the high school ranks when it comes down to it in what December, February, I think the portal is definitely an option as well. Yeah, and there's so there so there's a little bit of uh, criticism of our uh, of our breakdown in the uh, <laughs> chat here. Um, but I think it's fair to address. Um, uh, Sh- Shannon Scott's, I think, disappointed with us that the. Uh, we didn't have a lot of positive to say. I, I don't know if there's a lot of positive to say about that. Uh, I mean, I thought that we uh, were very honest about his speed. Beyond that, I'm not sure he's a natural running back at this point. I think there's a lot of coaching that needs to get done to get him 
to get him prepared for the college game. Um, well, it's nice to have you in the chat, his mom. Um, Look, here's know, I, here's here's how I feel. I, I I think I think he I think it's a great take. I, I'm I think that you're excited to bring in someone with his natural mm-hmm. talent at running back. He's clearly got speed. Trey Benson's an upright runner. Um, that was a concern of his for people watching his tape when he was first taken. Trey Benson has is developing to be what looks like a really, really yeah. dynamic Absolutely. and very good running back for, for Florida State this next season. So I think that's what they see in um in Sam. And mm-hmm. I think there's there's a ceiling there that's really high. And when you've got that track speed, you've got to be excited about that right there, nope. there's a potential there that he needs to reach we're just we're just trying to point out that there's some holes in his tape that we're just not seeing uh not necessarily that he doesn't have that or he can't develop that just that right now um that's the reason why you know he's not a five-star prospect right yeah. he's he's not the 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 top running back in the country right now it's it's there, there's there's some pros and cons to every every player's game and and that's and, why we're here to talk about I that. think if you go back to his sophomore film you see some of that um so you know that's why that's why it becomes a concern to me is where did it ha- where did it go away in his uh junior film and then he's got for got a senior year ahead of him to put that back on tape um so it uh you know it's a catch 22 we're obviously watching a a 5 minute clip it of him Maybe he left the maybe he left those plays off of you know off of his highlight tape. You never know. Uh, so we're just going to try to be honest with what we see in front of us. Um, we're obviously not trying to down the young man because he's worked hard to get where he is, and obviously to earn a Florida State uh, offer is a big time deal. Um, you know, we just want to try to be honest, and I want to try to be honest with the folks that are in here listening to us uh, break down this young man's film. That it's not all sunshine and roses, but it's also not bad. Um, you know, there's just things that we. I feel like he's got to work on. I think he's got to prove on his senior highlight tape um, to to maybe take that next step in his uh, ranking or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's a big time prospect as far as his speed goes. I think he's a home run hitter. I think he fits the outside zone scheme that they want to be uh, running here. Um, you know, I think some of the other things he's got to work on. Yeah, so um, I, I I think that uh, if Zach Zach wants to stick around, he can. But I think I think we're going to move on to the scrimmage and same to uh, you, Shannon. Um, see, kind of how how the current Florida State players are, are faring. So uh, we're going to bring on Brendan. Zach, you can you're certainly invited to stay along and and kind of talk about uh, this next season and kind of what we're expecting to to see based off of what we've heard from this past Saturday. So. Welcome, Brendan. Hello. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Zach, you sound awful. Are you doing okay? <laughs> um, yeah, it's the, it's the congestion, but I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing better. All right. All right. Well, good. I'm glad you're doing a little bit better. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Yeah, we welcome. We, we, we uh, stir in the pot with parents right now. Is that what's happening? Did I miss no. that? That's I, how it's I've never hated on any stars. I promise you that. Uh, uh, I I think it's a it's a solid take for Florida State. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there, there's pros and cons to every player. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a big senior season coming up. So yeah, we'll 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 see. But a position need for sure can't teach speed. 
Uh, hopefully some of the other elements of the game you know, come around, but there's certainly something there. So yeah, let's keep it rolling, I guess. Brendan's, Brendan's got fans that are just trailing him throughout. What up? Through, yeah, so. I was doing a little uh, little podcast action elsewhere, trying to uh, get a, a sponsorship for On the Bench. I don't know if I succeeded, but maybe X's and O's will uh, have more success. We'll see. Well, we brought you got we brought you on because we know that you're not sharing information with them that you're going to share with us because we're all the people in the chat right now are, are privileged people that have decided to join the the Knowles two four seven pod the on the bench podcast feed here. Um, so, what do you, what did what have you heard from the scrimmage? What are some what are some pros? Start us off there. Some pros. So. The defense, so every time we talk about practice or scrimmage, like, you know, there's some one side is something well that usually means another side did something poorly or, or at least you know, not as well. The defense was dominant from what we understand. It, it sounded like that after talking to the, the coaches, you know, on record uh, during the post scrimmage media availability, but uh, in talking to sources afterwards, it sounds like especially the, the first team. Uh, offense versus the first team defense. Yeah, there's some injuries, some limitations uh, on both sides of the ball, but really with the offensive line, uh, it, it made for a day where the first team defense was able to kind of fly around, be physical, win at the point of attack, and make life difficult for the first team offense. I think they settled in a little bit there, but uh, the offense did. But but generally, the defense, from what we heard, did really well. Which hey, this is the first the first scrimmage. That's kind of what you expect. That's probably what it it should be. Uh, specifically, we heard that the linebackers played really well. The coaches highlighted Tatum Bethune. Uh, it sounded like he played really well. But in addition to him, Kalen Deloach, DJ Lundy, those are three linebackers who continue to uh, either have their names called out, guys that we notice, observe uh, in, in practice. They've all put in really good preseason camps to kind of round out the uh, what you would hope would be a, a solid three-man rotation there. Uh, the defensive backs sounded like they did well, the, the potential starters. You know, they have Duke Cooper on one side. But uh, the other starting spot is up for grabs, and it sounds like Greedy Vance, Renardo Green are two players who uh, impressed during the scrimmage. And one other name I'll throw out there, kind of a, a wild card, maybe a little bit of a surprise given where he was uh, the last couple of years, but someone who hasn't given up on things yet, it's Jerry and Jones. He was at nickel in, uh, in the scrimmage, and it sounds like he did a really nice job defending the slot and, and someone that I think has a legitimate chance to to push for a starting spot this season now that he's healthy and, and feeling good. So yeah, defense dominant. Uh, uh, well, offense did well. We heard the run game was something that was kind to the offense as things got settled in a little bit. Terry Benson, Treshawn Ward are two names that, that emerged uh, potentially. And then also I uh, almost said Rodney Hudson, Rodney Hill as well. I'm going to do that all season. I know it. I've done that like three or four times already. But Roddy Hill is someone who got some, some reps with you know, the, the older, the older players, ones and twos. And I, I think he held his own and, that's encouraging from a, a depth perspective. So yeah, those are the the pros I would say coming out of the scrimmage. Okay, well that that's kind of a good to hear because I think that's uh, let's start on defense. I think that the first thing you mentioned was linebacker, and I've I've been pretty vocal on the X's and O's channel, in the videos that that I kind of write and produce myself. Um, that the linebackers last year were, were probably the biggest issue with the defense, and probably you know the the limiting factor to the overall. Uh, defensive, you know, statistics or performance or whatever. So, um, yeah, how do you feel the the rotation is going to go? Um, what are what are some other things that you're hearing about that linebacking crew? Um, I, we've been really high about Tatum Bethune, but it, it sounds it's good to sound good to hear that it sounds like he's doing well in the scrimmages. 
<laughs> Kev, let's talk about your your man crush, DJ Lundy, right? Let's, yeah, uh... I'm I'm very excited about <laughs> DJ Lundy, right? So, I was so down on DJ Lundy last season. Like, I saw him I saw him in on third down, and I would you know like start fuming. So, all these all these things I hear about DJ Lundy, what's going on with him? He was a legitimate liability in space uh, last season. To your point, he was 255 pounds. And as solid as he was as a run stopper, someone who it was really cool. Like when he diagnosed the play, triggered uh, uphill and saw like hey, it's inside run coming and he was able to stick his nose in there. Like the pile stopped like he was a pile stopper. And I don't know the yeah. last time we saw that at Florida State. Uh, the downside was like when plays ran to the perimeter, you've you've highlighted that well on some of your solo vids, Kev. Uh he was a liability. So with that in mind, he was at 255 pounds last season. Someone who struggled with conditioning, uh, just huffing and puffing a lot of the time, trying to catch his breath when we'd be at practice. He's down to 200, I think 36 pounds listed. So he's lost almost 20 pounds in the off season. And sometimes the weights, like I feel like can you can be a little liberal with them and, and just how much like of a, a change there actually was uh, in the off season. But with DJ Lundy, like he legitimately looks like a different player. It does not look like DJ Lundy when he has the, the helmet and pads on. Like you'd be tough to, to recognize him compared to what he was last year. He's finned out. He is moving much better. We saw a little bit of that in the spring. It was kind of cool, like with the weight loss too. Like they said, hey, let's just lose a little bit of weight initially and see how that works with you, how that works with your game. I think Randy Shannon said he lost about five to 10 pounds in the spring. And he was moving more comfortably. So I'm downfield a little bit more often. So I'm being able to get to the perimeter a little more comfortably. And I said, all right, like the way this looks, let's let's see if, if we can kind of continue to move in this direction. So completely transforms his body, 20 pounds lighter in the offseason. Uh, and in camp, you're, you're really starting to see it. I mean, he's someone who explodes at times to the perimeter, gets out there quickly. Uh, I'm curious to see how that translates to games. Like, right? it, it could be tough to tell sometimes in practice when you kind of have an idea of what the other team's running or what your own opponent or your own opponent, what your own team is running because you're going against the offense so often. Uh, but he does trigger very quickly. He's getting out to the perimeter. He's not someone who uh, team that FSU's you know, first and second team are able to consistently like turn the corner on a lot. And we also seem downfield and coverage a lot more and a lot more comfortably. With that in mind, uh, I think he is going to. Uh, be part of the rotation with Kalen Deloach, who moved in a pretty positive direction last season, especially in the yeah, back half of last year. Yeah, so so those guys are are two improvements moving in the right direction. You mentioned Tatum Bethune, like he's just super knowledgeable, very consistent. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be uh, an all conference caliber player, but I do know that he's going to be reliable. I, I think that's a pretty safe bet at this point. So you have three guys who you trust. Last year you had one in Kalen Deloach and even that took half a season. So yeah, linebackers, those three are going to rotate around. I think be your main three kind of figure out how to use them different, different times in the span of a game. And then you have Amari Gaynor. You can use situationally. There is value to using them in certain packages and against certain teams. Uh, and then you try to see if maybe Brennan Gant, uh, Omar Graham can, can be guys who you, you know, find in, in different sub packages as well. I think that's an exciting development. I think the better the linebacker crew is, the the higher I feel about this defense. I think, I mean, you're we're we're talking about a defense that should be a top twenty five defense, in my opinion. Um, and if these guys if these guys play out, you know, the 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 ceiling could potentially be higher. Um, and and if it's not, I think there's there's some serious questions that that need to be asked. Um, so the other big question I think that a lot of us have you you briefly addressed, which is. Uh, corner depth 
So you're saying that there's there's some sort of uh, position battle at, at at the corner position. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, um, you're, and and the, I guess the surprising thing is um, Jerry and Jones is a name that you've specifically mentioned on the on the site. Zach Zach's got some opinions on Jerry and Jones. Zach looks <laughs> Zach looks surprised. Well, hey, I wish Chris Knee were here because Zach, tell them like last spring, you and I were seeing something where Chris was traveling covering baseball in right or was it baseball? He wasn't he wasn't there. Basketball maybe. Basketball. Chris wasn't there in the spring, so explain to them like what what that dynamic was. We were trying to convince him of something. Was it? Uh, you're talking about Jerry? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we thought Jerry was having a really good spring, which he was. Um, like the coaches will even admit that. Um, and Chris wouldn't have it. He didn't believe it <laughs> um, just because of, of past history uh, of Jerry doing well in camp and then um, things going otherwise on the field. Uh, but he legitimately had a good spring and Chris was not having it. Chris is very much so a uh, need to see it to believe it human being. I guess we all are to an extent. Oh, we lost Zach. That's all right. Um, he just he just dropped that bomb and left. He did. He said, Chris Nee sucks. He can't analyze anyone. He's awful. And he just got out of here. Okay, he's back. Uh, but oh, you know, so, so Jerrion did have an improved spring two years ago. And then he had a hand injury. And we saw him with the hand injury in camp. But more details have come out now. And Jerrion's talked about this. He wasn't able to do any physical activity for three to four months. Like the doctor said, you can't sweat. If this gets infected, that would be an issue. So there was like no like legit workouts. And then all of a sudden he's playing against Notre Dame. Uh, so think about like that <laughs> to go from having, and he just looks so unathletic last year. And you're wondering like, mm-hmm. what, what happened from the spring into the season? And it's a hand injury. And I understand like that can impact physicality and stuff, but like, why is he not fluid? Why is he not moving the way we saw him in the spring? And now it all makes sense. Jerry Jones was not good last season. Like the numbers show as much. He his passer rating allowed, I think was 150 NFL passer rating. That's, that's not great. Uh, and it was someone who was inevitably like benched uh, by a Marine Cooper who played really well, but he was benched mm-hmm. in favor of, of a freshman. Uh, and now this, and then in the spring, like I wasn't sure if Jerry was going to put it together. He's had a really good preseason camp and it's been consistent. It hasn't been just like one day of flashing and, and then kind of disappearing for a few days. No, he's been really good in one-on-ones. He's hasn't been picked on at all in team stuff. And then, Zach, it sounded like he was pretty good in the scrimmage yesterday. Yeah, I, t- I spoke to some people um, in attendance at the scrimmage, and they said he played really well at nickel, um, yeah. which is a position they're, they're testing him at, and it seems like he's excelling at um, early on in camp. So uh, that was encouraging to hear. Um, he looked – I mean, you got, you've got you noted it on your practice reports, Brendan. He's looked good um, throughout camp when I was there that first week and then um, even in, in those – you know, past couple of days before the scrimmage, uh, while I was away, um, he stood out. So it's a good sign. I think, um, hopefully he carries that on for the rest of camp and then into the season. Cause that's, that's truly been the struggle is the consistency. You hear Mike Norvell talk about it. You hear Marcus Woodson talk about it. It's getting Jerry and Jones to be consistent every play handling his technique. Cause I think that's, that's kind of the thing that he lacks on a little bit. Um, is staying consistent with his technique at the position. So if he can do that, man, it'd be really beneficial for the secondary as they try and, you know, work around some guys at different spots. Um, It'd be nice to have another, you know, solid, uh, you know, guy in in that first or second rotation that that they can count on. Well, I I know immediately what everybody's saying is, oh my God, Jerry Jones is going to (laughs) play. How in the hell is this possible? Why are we back here? 
we don't trust him all these things already it's already in the chat it's all it's all over twitter it's on every discord out there right now i'm sure i mean look if he goes and beats out kevin knowles who i mean yes kevin knowles is a true sophomore but i mean that's a young man that we know works his tail off yeah if he goes and beats him out you have to kind of tip your cap to him and say look i mean he won the job that that's got to stand for something um you know, if he wins the job, he deserves to be out there. If he goes out there and wets the bed, then you know you go back to Knowles. But if if he wins the job, you can't you can't send him on the bench. You can't leave him over on the side because it sends the wrong message uh, from a team aspect. You know, you ask these guys to do all these things. If he goes out there and does everything you've asked of him, you know whether that be in the nickel or whether that be on the outside, and he wins the job, then you play him. You go from there, um, and you hopefully have two solid nickel backs that you can run out there every game. And and can I talk just briefly about why he... Okay, so I'm going to talk about this. Only if you, only you sing it or you explain it like like a Nickelback song. Yeah, and I, I don't... I can't do that. I, I can't do that. I sing too well. To, for, to oh, okay. Like That's the problem. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, the there's a huge difference between an outside corner position and, mm-hmm. and a Nickelback. Um and it's something that I think a lot of people are missing. Just because you're not a good outside corner doesn't mean you're uh, you can't handle Nickelback. So Nickelback is a Sam backer uh, that I have here. Uh, for some reason, I I'm not able to draw right now. But uh, basically, this guy's job is more uh, to move laterally, and I, I think that's something we've seen as a as a strength of his is is handling the kind of underneath routes, moving laterally. Where he really got burned last season was. Um, in the cover four scheme that Fuller likes to run, a lot of times these corners are, are having to be one-on-one in space on on deep routes with receivers. And I think he was getting burned with with his really long with his long speed. And um so him thriving at, at Sam is a is a or at the nickel position is a totally different position with a different skill set. If if his if his athleticism uh is more of more of a side-to-side, quick twitch athleticism he, he might find more success and i mean that's what we're hearing and seeing from camp oh look at this nickelback every time i do it makes me laugh that was my nickelback uh, to, to ab's point on jerry and jones and, and i totally understand like why uh chris knee and why listeners and viewers right now would be skeptical like you've seen two years of not good cornerback play from him totally warranted to to want to to see it before you you buy it i will counter that with and this isn't me saying that i'm assured that he's going to have a good season or even that he's going to start just that he's positioned himself to be in that conversation we've seen in the last year with this program that players get better not all mm-hmm. of them but there has been legitimate growth we've seen we've talked about it how much on this show guys with jordan travis uh but but other other spots as well linebacker with Kalen Deloach figuring it out. Uh, even Kevin Knowles in the course of the season, Amarian Cooper being developed and being a guy you were able to plug into uh, the starting lineup late in the year over Jerry and Jones. Like, guys get better. So I have learned to not totally write players off, even though I've been tempted to. It's still something I have to fight from uh, years of covering this program and seeing players regress. Like, I will always have to remind myself and try to remind people listening, people, players can develop, can get better. Just what you saw Last year doesn't mean it's going to be the exact same moving forward. Uh, there's actual progress happening within the program. Mm-hmm. Jaron Jones may be an example of that, maybe. And he's playing a different position. Mm-hmm. 
It's, it's yeah. not, you got to keep that in mind. Right. All right. Well, let's keep it rolling here. We're talking about progress. One guy that I think everybody, I don't know if everybody's surprised to hear about, but um, you know, maybe a little bit earlier than we thought we were going to hear about him is Deuce Bam. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, Mike, Coach Norvell literally called him out first. It was the first name he brought up yesterday. First name. Yep. Um, and it's not the first time he's mentioned him and his progress. And you brought him up on Knowles 24 7 about how he's developing and maybe his timeline has been sped up some. W- what do you got on Deuce? This is another example of progress. I can see it in real time because when, when I saw him in spring practice, I'm not sure if Kevin, if you experienced this similarly. You see the length and you see the deep speed. And you're like, oh, that's impressive. Yeah. And then you see him try to run a route that's not a nine pattern. And right, like it, yeah. it looked a little clunky, maybe. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, his, his routes aren't crisp. He, um, or they weren't in the spring. You know, you could tell that he was he was a recent convert to the position. But I, I think everybody in the spring, and even if you talk to Illinois people, they'll tell you that he's, you know, he stands out in terms of athleticism. There, mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there are physical tools, and to me, in the spring was a matter of like, okay, can you harness them for? Uh, the, the upcoming season and at that point I was like I just don't think like the trade-off is worth it like if he can only do one thing and even then like you know winning 50-50 balls and and being uh having good concentration downfield like even then I was like okay so he's fast he could take a top off the defense but how much do you really have to respect him other than him just being fast if he's not able to to go and, and be aggressive catching the ball and be consistent right. or if he can do anything else then I saw him in the beginning of camp and the first day I was like eh, I'm not sure and then he figured it out. I don't know what, what it was, but we heard good things about him in, in the summer. And, uh, and since after the first day, like he's done something special pretty consistently. He doesn't do it a ton in practice. It's not like dominant. I, I want to catch it with that or catch it with that. Like he's not, he's not dominating, uh, but he does do something once or twice in practice where you say, Oh, that looks different than anything else that's on the roster. And it's the deep speed that we mentioned. It's the size and the length. <laughs> Uh, but also he's starting to be a little bit more uh, consistent, I guess, as a route runner. It doesn't mean he's always you know looking natural at it, but there's things he's doing now uh, that he was not able to do with, with a route running perspective back in the spring. And that's encouraging. And, and then finally, in the, in what we heard yesterday out of the scrimmage was that he was making plays across the field, different levels of the field, including a really nice deep pass. That he was able to bring in and traffic. So yeah, there's there's reason to be optimistic about the way he's trending. And uh, I, I kind of want to preface this, and this is not a fair comparison to anybody, but um, if you look at, I, th- I think Mike Norvell's a smart enough guy to, to look at other coaches and, and their success. If you look at what um, Bill Belichick did with his offense in the past, he's a defensive guy. He's not going to spend a lot of uh, um of his cap space on, on offense. So what he did uh, was he really found guys that could fit very specific roles, right? You've got your Wes Welker role. You've got your outside threat role. You've got your tight end and you really find the guys that can do one thing specifically um, really well. And you can use those tools interchangeably. And that's something you have to do. If you're not recruiting at the top level, you can't just get the guys that are better than everybody at everything. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think Deuce Span fits that that mold of someone that has one specific skill set that you can use, um, and you just have to be really creative offensively trying to get them involved. And it'll be interesting to see how they do that. Kev, let, let's talk about why it's important 
while Brendan shows his book. It's Moneyball. Are you guys familiar with with the book Moneyball? I've seen so what, 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 let's talk about why it's important to have a player like Span, though, what it does to the offense. Because, I mean, that's why people are here. They're here to learn a little bit of football. While we talk about what's going on, um, Deuce is known for the nine route. I mean, that's what his bread and butter is going to be. I think we could all agree with that. Um, yes. The nine route being being a vertical yeah, route. Yeah, being go, a vertical yeah. go route, a clear route. Um, if you've got him on a clear it forces a defense to have to account with the safety. And if the safety is having to account for him over the top, I don't know if you want to put the chalkboard up there, Kev. Yeah, I'm, I'm it, getting it set he's, up. He's working on it. Stall for him. It, if a safety is having to account for deuce over the top, Let's that's go. one less player that's having to come down in the box. This is a running football team. It's going to be a running football team. As long as Mike Norvell's head coach, it's certainly going to be a running football team. As long as Alex Atkins is, is offensive coordinator along with Mike, Mike Norvell's the head football coach. Uh, oh, hello. Whoa, Kev. Yeah, we're going on there. there. Um, you know, so it's important. It's important <laughs> that you bring in a guy who can get deep and get vertical and, and force a safety out of the box and to play coverage. For so many years now, or for the last two years now, we've seen teams be able to just put eight guys in the box and not have to worry about anybody getting down the field. If this offense could play with six guys in the box, hell, seven guys in the box. I think you find a little more consistent success. And if they can be more successful in first and second down, they're going to be more successful in third down, which means they're only going to be able to do better over the course of the season. So people are are probably sitting thinking, you know, why is Deuce, you know, they're excited that Deuce spans, you know, developing and, and you know, understand that it's important. But the the really the why behind his importance is, I think, um, you know, it's a big deal. Yeah, here you we can, go. You can justify oh, putting him on. Is it working, Kev? Yeah, yeah, All you're right, right Brendan. You can justify <laughs> putting him on the field. Yeah, because of his, because of what he can do. <laughs> Sorry about the technical difficulties over here, but you, yeah, you're totally right. For uh, we're just gonna pretend like this is a podcast for a second, um, which it is. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, he he takes the safeties out of the box, right? The the way that people shut down Jordan Travis is cheating a safety in the box, or if you're pit mm-hmm. and like running cover four, you're gonna cheat both safeties in the box. Um, and hopefully you can take advantage of that, right? You force him out of that. And, and yeah. Mike, Mike hasn't really had, I think it's fair to say like Mike hasn't really had that presence in his two mm-hmm. seasons at Florida state. Tamori and Terry was supposed to be that he wasn't hundred uh, percent other than that one, one game against Notre Dame where he went beast mode. Like he just wasn't himself and yeah. uh, got moved off the team, but like that, he hasn't had, and that was something that he always had at Memphis. Uh, even if it wasn't like his number one receiver, it was at least someone who could take the top off a of defense and force you to, to respect uh, the vertical presence. Uh, so, yeah, that's a big takeaway for me is that Span is doing enough in preseason camp to justify playing him this season and having him as that presence. I didn't think you'd be justified. I didn't think you could justify playing him. I didn't think the trade-off was worth it back in the spring. I've come around on that based on the development in the strides he's made uh, in the last few months. Well, you'll be happy to know that Tyler Barkley is very concerned about this boring-ass offense. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what it turns into. We'll see if it gets him excited this year or not. Uh, Come on, Tyler. This, that's so funny hearing that because everybody else you hear on YouTube is complaining that don't run the ball 100% of the time and that we've got that newfangled RPO system that doesn't work uh, while Ole Miss is 
running through the SEC with yeah. below yeah. average recruits. And, and the RPO treated Mike Norvell pretty well uh, at Memphis when he had pieces in place. It did. So, it his did. offenses have gotten worse since he's used less RPO, actually. Yeah. So, uh, well, we'll, don't we'll, you use we'll, your fancy schmancy stats? We'll here, see. Guys. We'll, we'll see about all the bottom last year. So, um, we know the defensive line is going to be a strength for this team. I think the other area to kind of talk about here is the offensive line. I, I think it's it's important to preface this conversation by saying that Mike Norvell did admit that they were they didn't have all their pieces yesterday um, for the scrimmage. We're, we're obviously not going to dis- to discuss what pieces were not there or what pieces were there, but did you get any feedback on the O-line? Yes, I heard that the lack of availability along the offensive line, specifically the first-team offensive line, made it difficult for the first-team offense to operate at times, especially early on in the scrimmage. I think it's also reasonable to assume that early on in the scrimmage was when Robert Cooper and Fabian Lovett would have been getting their most action because they were on a snap count, which is pretty standard for those two guys because, as you noted, Coach A.B., they – FSU knows what it has with those two. So, uh, anyways, yeah, Robert Cooper and Fabian Lovett versus uh, an injury-plagued offensive line is how we will phrase it uh, for no now. Because, no. yeah, it's not a great, not a great look. It, it, you know, some of the people we explained this to on the message board were uh, like, "Oh, his offensive line won't be able to handle, you know, starting defensive line." Well, first off, the two defensive tackles that they would be going against, the ones like are better than probably 90% of the defensive tackles you'd be facing in, in college football. That's mm-hmm. one. Uh, point two is, I, I don't know who is, I can't say who is, you know, inside, who was starting, who wasn't. I want to get into that. I probably should should stop rambling now before I get myself <laughs> in any trouble. Um, but I will say the encouraging thing was the offense did eventually find a way. And as it settled in, mm-hmm. like it, the ones, the twos, the threes, all were able to make some segments of uh, semblance of plays. So this wasn't just a, it was a dominant effort by the defense early on. And I think it controlled the majority of the scrimmage, uh, but there was enough counters by the offense to make you think, Hey, you know, we can figure some things out throughout the course of a quote unquote game uh, when we are outmanned, which uh, a year ago, if you were missing multiple starting offensive linemen, you were DOA. Right. Like that was, it, you just weren't getting yeah. anything done. And it was, you weren't even getting anything done in practice. Like the second and third team offensive line were non-existent. were full of walk-ons. That at least is no longer the case. If you can snap the ball consistently, I think you can do things well enough with multiple uh, units of the offensive line. And I can, did that make sense? <laughs> it did until in there. Oh, and yeah. he started breaking up. Oh, well, <laughs> sure why not so ab you're you're kind of you've become the uh, offensive line the the name and all things offensive line at, at florida state <laughs> over the past couple of years uh, well that. at least in my opinion so um uh, how are you feeling about about this unit going forward is is this i know uh the the famous phrase of of kind of you we we had a timeline of going from way below average to below average to average. Where, yeah. do you, where would you say they are on that scale, just based off what you've heard in, in camp so far? Uh, um, I, I still don't know if it can be defined. Um, I mean, I've heard good things when even down into when a, a Bryson Estes gets on the field 
whether that be first team, second team, whatever, what, whenever he's playing. Um, I, I've heard a lot of positive stuff, but I do still think, uh, you know, some feedback I got from a couple of people, um, you know, not named Brendan and others from those 24 seven that, that were, that were, have been at practices, you know, like the first day in pads, the, the interior of the offensive line did not do great. Um, you know, against this, the, this starting front, I don't think, I don't think you would expect them to, um, on day one in pads, you've got a, a player like a, just a Demetri Emanuel or Bryson Estes. These are guys that don't have a lot of time communicating with all the guys around them. And communication is king on the offensive line. Um, you know, this is a front that can get off the ball. They do a lot of movement. So I, I, I think, I think right now it's just undefined for this group up front. And I know people are going to maybe hear what Brendan was talking about that, you know, that they got beat or hear me say that they struggled on the first day in pads. I don't want that to be a panic point because as, as I'm trying to note here, cry harder. <laughs> there's some real treats in the chat tonight. Um, you know, as I'm trying to note here, it's important to remember that the communication for the front is, is absolute King. It's going to take a while, really, up into that Duquesne game for these guys to get it. Remember, remember what we thought about Dylan Gibbons last year. Um, you know, it was a struggle bus for him for a while, and then he kind of figured it out. He got comfortable with the offense. He got comfortable with the guys around him, and then he became Florida State's best offensive lineman last year. I think I'm not saying that Demetri Emanuel or Bless Harris or Bryson Estes or or these guys are going to become that, um, but I think it's just going to continue to take time. They're going to continue to get more comfortable as a group and we're going to see them get better. Do I expect them to be an above average group this year? No, I expect them to kind of be in that average range, which is a really far step from where they've been. Right. And I think that they can live in that average range. Even if, uh, even if your sixth man comes off the bench or your seventh man comes off the bench, I think you can still kind of live in that ballpark. You know, I, I think that, there's nine or 10 guys that could probably come into play. I think when you start talking about getting down to that ninth and 10th, that the drop-off is going to be a little bit more steep. Um, but you probably, and Brendan, correct me if I'm wrong, you probably trust that ninth or 10th guy. Uh, uh, you know, I'm just going to say a name, a Jaston Turnitine. I don't know where he is on the depth chart, but he might be that 10th guy. You, I think you would trust him to come in and play right now with some drop-off, whereas in years past, the drop-off would have been absolutely... I mean, it would have just you. You were screwed. The the tenth player this year on the office lines probably came to like the seventh last season, right? Just to kind of give you an example of the improved depth. So you're saying our, we're building our offensive line like Leonard, Leonard Hamilton builds a basketball <laughs> team. The the new ACC, as Leonard Hamilton would say, the new yeah. ACC. The top ten are are. We're, we we might have might not have the best top five, but our top ten will will can all play and and kind of be out there. So um, I don't think people understand how big of a step that is. I mean, it's huge. <laughs> any consistency, um, any ability to move people when you're down in the red zone. I mean, this was a god awful running game, and I'm, I I think that I don't know what the stats were for him last year, but when it came to needing to move somebody on a fourth down situation or down inside the red zone, they, they really struggle with it. I think that they've brought in guys that they feel like they can do that with now. Um, you know, I see somebody asking about Julian Armella. I mean, there's a player right there that has been discussed already through this preseason. Um, 
you know, who is, oh, he's a ways away because he's a true freshman. He didn't get here until the beginning of summer, but as a guy that's flashing already a big win in one-on-ones against Jared Verse, um, I believe he got some extended reps yesterday in the scrimmage. And from what I understand, did, did all right. Um, so there's, you hit, you hit on Julian Armella. I think yeah. it's the best, like, I don't know if that means he's going to be someone you rely on this year. He might end up developing into that, but he's not, you're not going to recruit over him. I'll put it that way. I think, I think he'll be a factor for the next few years, which is awesome to, to know that this early on in, in someone's career. So uh, I, I kind of want to throw it to Zach. Um, Cause he, uh-huh. We we hear a lot from Brendan about you know FSU's practices. He's doing all the all the immediate thoughts. Zach, do you have someone that you've seen at practice that you've seen in these scrimmages that maybe isn't getting talked about enough from our boy Brendan, who's controlling the narratives with his? I, with I his am. I'm, I'm spinning the narratives too. According yeah, to, to fit his to fit his wire rector Wyatt rector serving needs. Oh, oh boy. Um. Man, that's tough. Um, there, like, there's a couple guys that the because we know like one of the cornerback spots is probably man down by by Duke Cooper, right? Um, you go to the opposite side, and I think it's a race between a couple guys. Um, and I think those those guys have had solid camps. Like, Greedy Vance is a guy that I think is in in uh, you know he's in play to to be a guy at that spot. I don't know if he'll be the starter or second string. Um, right now, I'd probably project uh, Duda, uh, Renardo Green a, a, as the guy at that spot. I think he's had a really good camp quietly. Um, he had a, an amazing spring. I think we noted that um, extensively on Nose 24 7. I think he, he's been a little bit uh, less consistently impressive every day um, at, in fall camp, but I've still liked what he's done. Um, and he's probably a guy that I think that we can note because um, I think he has a really good shot at, at manning down that other spot at the cornerback position. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's important to know. I think greedy Vance kind of got slept on when he, when he was brought in, uh, not a guy that, get it, uh, not a guy that, uh, got, a, got a lot of love when he, when he came over in the transfer portal. And, uh, when I, when I was watching practice, I thought he looked, um, he looked like a guy that, you know, was a solid, uh, presence in the, in the cornerback room and someone that, you know, we, we have guys that, that, know as much about playing quarterback as anybody uh talking to us about that room and um you know uh, there's there's a group of guys that i think it's it you're kind of wary of because it's a lot of unknowns but um it's been nothing but good so i've seen uh a lot of stuff talking about centers um what are y'all's feelings on centers I, i know we we really can't dive too deep into the depth chart but um what what are the pros and cons of, of each of the guys, um, and and ultimately, who do you think who do you think is going to get more snaps by seasons end? Maybe not necessarily starting day one, but who who do you think who do you think is going to be the guy game twelve? Ooh, that's a tough it, question. Yeah, tough it thing. is. If you had asked that at the beginning of camp, I would have said Caden Lyles, no doubt. Um, even though we saw it in the spring game, like Murray Smith was with the ones, and Caden Lyles was largely with the twos. Uh, but I thought the plan was for Caden Lyles to be the starting center uh, at the beginning of the season. Murray Smith, to his credit, put on weight. I think he was at 270 in the spring. Uh, he's at 288 at the beginning of camp. So he was able to put on weight, which has been one of his biggest hangups, is that he would just continually uh, 
the oh boy, the side chat is really <laughs> distracted. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry for the podcast listeners, but so he adds weight, which has really been the big thing holding Murray Smith back. We've seen that the last couple of years, whether it's injuries leading to weight loss or weight loss leading to more injuries, but he's just someone who struggled to hold his own in the trenches. I think that element has been more or less fixed in preseason camp. He's he's held up well uh, physically. There's been multiple times where he's been lined up with Robert Cooper, who's 335 pounds one-on-one and has, has not just held his own, but won that rep and won it pretty convincingly where he's able to anchor down and kind of dictate the terms of that one-on-one matchup. So if, if I think Maurice Smith, and this is what they ultimately wanted was for Caden Lyles to push Maurice Smith and mm-hmm. to maybe like if Caden wasn't someone who was uh, living up to his potential in the season to be able to turn to Maurice Smith, who would be a little rejuvenated, wouldn't have a bunch of reps to him and hopefully have a little bit more experience at that point to play middle of the season. At this point, I'd go with Maurice Smith as a starter because I, I think he's performed well enough in preseason camp to justify that spot. Yeah, I, I think you that, like Yeah, A.B., give me your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, first, I and I, I think it, it's out there, so Brendan, slap me if I'm wrong, but Darius is... Darius is working back from some things, correct? I mean, that's, yeah, Mike, Mike has said that. Mike Ravel said that. I think that's okay. a, a good way to put that. Yeah, Again, I don't, I don't want to get us in trouble, but yeah, I, I think it's. I've been one that's advocated for Darius Washington working at center. I don't think it's probably something we're going to see, knowing that you have two pretty experienced players already allocated for that position. I'd still love to see it down the road because um, I do think Darius has got. Yeah, I think he's built for that that spot, but. That's neither here nor there. Um, I think Maurice just fits what you want to do. Um, we, we've long talked. I haven't been out there. I don't know what they're running in practice. I'm not, I, I hope I'm not giving away any trade secrets because I, I haven't seen any of it. Um, I, this is an offense that we talked about a lot in this offseason, you know, that was built around outside zone, counter. You know, those are things that I think they want to be staples of, the, of their foundation plays. They haven't done that here yet. I don't think you can do that with a Caden Lyles, though. He, he's shown that he's so uh, slow-footed that I'm not sure he can reach a three-tech. Um, I'm not certain that he can, you know, overtake a guy, you know, overtake on a bucket step on an outside zone play. I don't think you could put him at guard and pull him. We know his strength is head up, mauling people, whereas I feel like Maurice Smith, you know, with with some of the added weight that he that we know that he's put on, he is built to do those things. His athleticism is absolutely, um, you know, his greatest strength at the center position. So for a team that wants to run the ball, and I believe a team that wants to run the ball horizontally more than they do vertically, I think it makes sense to have a Maurice Smith in there. Um, but he's got to prove he can do it. And if he can't, I do feel confident that Caden can come in there. They can make some tweaks to fit his strengths better. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm cool with Maurice. My, my biggest concern is on these ta- with the tackles. It's not with the center job. I know people have been very worried about that spot. I'm more concerned with can bless Harris hold up over on the right side. Can Robert Scott stop a, you know, stop a speed rush on the left side. Those things I think are going to play a bigger factor in this season than what happens at center. I think you put that excellently, and there's there's one comment that I, I, I want to address personally before someone else jumps on it, and it's something near and dear to my heart. Um, uh, Tate Rotomaker. Um, oh, God. 
So Tate Rotomaker is a guy that <laughs> that I've been high on since day one. He makes all the throws that you can ask for. Um, if you're listening to people that are just now telling you that he looks dominant in practice, dominant. Uh, those, those, sorry, that that he looks good in practice. Dominant, dominant is a little bit of an extreme word. That would be like I heard, I heard it's that, a quarterback. I heard it's a quarterback uh, competition. Yeah, if I mean, if they're just now seeing that he looks good in practice, then you know that that should be a concern. But uh, he's he can make all the throws across the field. There's a reason that this staff holds on to him. There's a reason that he's still on this on this quarterback. In this quarterback room, there's a a reason that he's around, but he's not going to press Jordan Travis at any point in time for a starting position. (laughs) AB thinks he's the worst. I I don't. There was someone. There was someone. Just never better than Chubb. Once told me he was the worst quarterback Florida State has had on a roster ever. (laughs) Worst quarterback ever. I said that. Did I say that? No, it was okay. someone that worked for a previous that. I never said that. He just was never better than Chubba. Yeah, he was still better than Chubba. No, he was he as someone who was there practices last year, he was definitely not better than I know he didn't love Chubba. He was not better than Chubba last year. Um this is great. I don't know if this is a Logan that I know, but <laughs> this is just a great comment. Uh, Brendan, I, is there a quarterback battle? There's no quarterback battle. There's no quarterback battle. But if I can provide some nuance in a world that does not like nuance, does not like gray area, uh, Tate Rodermaker has gotten better. And he's gotten better. How and dare he started you? at a – I know, right? <laughs> he now – Traitor. For context, he started very, very, very low point. Uh, some of that not his fault. He was not put in a great spot early mm-hmm. in his career. That 2020 season was uh, just an abomination for a lot of reasons. It was a bastardization. Of a, of a football season for Florida State, and a lot of that was not in the control of the coaching staff, and then that trickles down to, like, that wasn't the control of, of a true freshman quarterback like Tate, Tate Rodemaker. That being said, uh, he has not performed well when the lights have been on, and... He was when, a whole one-for-two last season. Um, yeah, well, he didn't throw any interceptions, so that was progress. From what he did we throw saw. an offensive pass interference, however that works. Well, that is a that is a pretty impressive thing to do with him. a small sample size. <laughs> he did look better in the spring, and he's had some really good moments in camp. He's also had some moments where he hasn't been very good, and I think that's kind of the thing with Tate that uh, we go back to like Jerry and Jones talking about earlier. Like, do you believe it in, until you see it, or do you in like live action, or can you kind of take some of the little glimpses here and there in mm-hmm. practice and, and buy into it? I will say this. He does have, and Kev said it earlier, he has the ability to make all the throws. Like, yes, that does exist. Going back to Moneyball, just because you've seen it once does not mean it's something that you can do over and over and over again. And that's what talent evaluators get in trouble with a lot of times because you've seen it happen once or twice. You think you can harness it all the time. Some of that, I think, is ego for coaches and and pro teams Mm -hmm. that, that do that. But uh, with Tate, it's a matter of can he bring it consistently without having the catastrophic play. Uh, last week at practice was a great example of it where he orchestrated just an amazing drive. He was pushing the ball downfield. He was hitting different spots. It ends it with a touchdown pass to Marcus and Douglas in the end zone. That's just a, a perfect like 30-yard – I don't want to say what pattern was, but 30 yards downfield, Marcus and Douglas, where it was just put <laughs> nicely. Don't shake your head, Zachary. We're all good. We're kosher right now. Wait, the th- next Marcus drive- and Douglas made it 30 yards downfield? 
Guys are allowed to get better. I don't know why I have that, to keep that saying this. That means he's very you dismiss it. Dismiss it. That means he, means he, he, <laughs> <laughs> means he uh, had some protection. Is, it a, is, he, is he a limp biscuit or is he? Whoa, whoa, kids show. <laughs> don't, don't, don't Google it. Don't Google it. This is a uh, show for children. Uh, so, uh, anyway, so next, back on track. Back, 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 back. Uh, back on track. So, Tate Rodemaker's next drive was uh, Brett Nevitt sitting sit next to me in. Uh, he tries to throw the ball middle of the field and puts it about two or three yards behind Johnny Wilson to right into Travis Jay's hands. If Johnny Wilson doesn't make a play back to kind of swat it and knock it down, which is actually a really good play by Johnny. Uh, it would have been an interception. Brett goes, that might've been the worst pass we've seen from anyone in preseason camp. And he was right. Like it was just, it was a timing pass. It was about rhythm and just couldn't replicate it. And it was almost a catastrophic play for Tate. That's, that's the next step. And we got to see whether he can, uh, two two parts of the next step. One to be more consistent. Two uh, to channel the good moments in games in live action, and that's kind of TBD for me. But no, Kev, no quarterback battle right now. Yeah, sorry. Especially since you're still working with a wide receiver group that has a lot of question marks on it, an offensive line that we're projecting to be average. Uh, that's that's kind of the recipe for an offense that probably will function best with a quarterback that's able to uh dyna- be dynamic and, and kind of stress the defense in, in other ways besides requiring your wide receivers to get open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely the J- the Jay Trav effect, which we've talked about so much on the show, like is is a real deal. Hey, can I say real quick, Zach went away for a week and AJ Duffy became a legitimate quarterback. Became like, a legitimate quarterback. The first Zach, you were there. Without the context of reading my practice reports when you were out of town, like how, how did you when you left for Destin, Florida, what did you think of AJ Duffy? He did not look like a quarterback that was as highly recruited as he was out of high school that first week. Um, I'll say that it's really encouraging to hear like the, your practice reports um, when I, when I was kind of getting out from that vacation, like just just reading them. It, it was good to hear that that he had improved, but that first week was rough for him for sure. Um, I mean, I think like anyone that says otherwise just did, wasn't watching like it. It was not good. Um, he wasn't able to process things. He was too quick to, to, to tuck it and run a lot of times. I mean, we were we were kind of um, betting between me, you, uh, Dane, I guess, just whether whether he, he tuck it and run like on every play. Um, yeah. it, it was not good. But I think the game started to slow down for him. Um, I, I mean, you could talk about it more. You were there in person, but that, that's kind of what I got from, from reading your reports. Yeah, it, there was like a like a legitimate like forty percent proposition that he was probably going to tuck and run uh, in in live eleven on eleven drills like early on, uh, in in camp, and it it was cool to see how it kind of all clicked for him. It was just it was an off platform throw where he had got flushed out of the pocket, was rolling to his right, and just had to make a difficult throw downfield. There was pressure coming. Had to kind of change up his arm slot to because of the way the pressure was coming. And delivered like just kind of took the risk, got it 30 yards, 40 yards downfield, right on the money. I think it was to, I can't remember the wide receiver who caught it off the top of my head, but it was uh, just a really good throw to give his guy. Oh, it was Brian Courtney who made the catch, uh, who's had some some moments uh, here uh, in camp. So it was a really good throw, very athletic catch by Brian Courtney. But after that, you saw AJ kind of settle in and be like, I, I can physically do it at this level. Now, there's still a lot of lows for him, still a lot of times where. You can tell he's processing things. I think he's the one who threw the interception, right, in, in mm-hmm. uh, scrimmage yesterday to, to I was going to say, Zaria Thomas to Sam McCall. Wrong freshman corner, sorry. Uh, but the fact that he's improving, again, like 
consistent theme of this podcast and I think of covering this team is like there there are consistently signs of of progress and growth and, and that's really cool to see in, in live time. Yeah, I think that's always going to be the biggest question with freshman quarterbacks, especially someone that we pointed this out in his film. He's he's makes a lot of one reads and, and throws the ball. Um, he showed that he could throw the ball over the middle and he has a decent arm and he definitely is an athlete. But um, it's it's good. It's an encouraging sign to hear that he, he's making a few more reads and not just tucking because even in right. spring, that was a big concern. Look, let's let's get a couple chat questions and then we're going to get out of here because we're pushing an hour 10. Um, one one question I had, though, before we get to these guys, and, and just real quick, any concerns that you didn't hear AZ Thomas's name come out yesterday? No, no. I mean, he was mentioned, uh, he was asked about, but he was apparently played fine. I mean, we saw this in the spring, too, that Azaria had, like, some really great, like, couple practices in a row and then was kind of quiet for a few days. And he's never been picked on. He's not going, I don't think he's going to be someone who's going to be picked on, but uh, this was something that happened in the spring too. And for him to be like, to expect that he's going to have multiple turnovers every single day, just isn't realistic. Uh, yeah. He's positioned himself to play as a true freshman. He probably will play as a true freshman. I don't think the expectation realistically was for him to start from day one. I would still put pretty good money that he will start or play starting caliber snaps by the end of the season. Yeah. More of an, a Marion Cooper type type. Yep. I'm shaking my head for line. those for those listening, uh, nodding my head adamantly. Yes, that's a really good analogy, Kev. Yeah. All right, we got a question from Ryan. Are the receivers getting separation? If not, what needs to improve more, athleticism or technique? Uh, it's hit or miss. I know it's not <laughs> me stuttering. Sam is not great for, <laughs> for listening. It is hit or miss day to day is the best way I can describe it. And there are some days when the wide receivers go off where they – are running crisp routes and when they are covered they're making these these tough 50 50 catches and then there's other days where they just look pretty locked up and and struggle to consistently catch the ball and uh that the bad days have been less frequent than last year but there are still some days where just the passing game isn't isn't a strength for the offense and i think that's probably gonna be reflective of the season where you're gonna have some really good days through the air which you didn't have much of last year and i think there's gonna be days where it's gonna look a lot like last season as well uh I think ultimately, like, yeah, we can talk about technique and we can talk about coaching and whatnot. I think the caliber of athlete at wide receiver still has to get better. They've made strides in improving it. It was one of the worst wide receiving units in Power 5 last year. It's still probably a below average one, but it, but at least you have guys now, Kev alluded to earlier, again, another money ball thing, uh, platoon approach. You have guys who can do multiple or one or two things well instead of someone who's, like, great at a few multiple, you know, different different things. So, you at least have that, but yeah, the athleticism in the wide receiver room is to me still pretty mundane, pretty pedestrian. And this is kind of old news, but um, when Micah Pittman came in in the spring, he ran the best routes out of anybody on Florida State's roster, and it was not particularly close. I, I thought it was good, Kev, that we heard his name from the scrimmage yesterday because he mm-hmm. struggled some earlier in camp, and that was not like him uh, dropping yeah. the ball. Like one thing to maybe not get open or to not have a standout day, but him putting the ball on the ground was not uh, pretty. That that was not his norm based on what we saw in the spring. So for him to have turned it around from there and put together some good days, and then to be someone they can rely on and that Jordan Travis can rely on in games like that, that's good because you need someone, even if they're not a true quote unquote one, uh, someone that you can rely on to get open and and you know know where they're going to be and know that they're going to have a chance to to make a play when you get them the ball. Yeah. Zach Byersonone 
Yes, we are doing buyer Wow, copycats. That's uh, <laughs> uh, on the bench is sending uh, some lawsuits over your way right now. I mean, to be yeah, fair, this is on the on the bench podcast network. I actually threw that I in am there the shifter of narratives. Never mind. Never mind. Oh, I, oh. I am undoing the buyer Sanon. No, go back to buyer Sanon. <laughs> can't do that. Look at Zach's devastated. <laughs> Trey Benson, buyer Sanon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I think a better question right now is we got a poll going on in the chat. It's currently um, one vote in one percent or two percent actually in favor of no on, on whether should should Brendan bring back the tank top. That's so wait, it's no. it's yes. It's right wait. now. Right now it's tied up. Right now it's tied up. One hundred and seven. No. How is that even possible? What? Wait. What's happening? I don't understand what's happening. If I, do oh. people want the tank top or not? It's 50-50 right now. Oh, wow. It's neck and neck. Ooh, it's really it's a barn burner. It's, 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 it's arm and arm. You yeah, go say. put your votes oh, in. God. <laughs> All right. What, what's, what's the next question, right, Amy? Yeah. Uh, Zach, what about Hakeem Williams? He announced a new timeline. Get, give us a brief, quick rundown on that. If you can. Yeah, so it looks like he's going to be deciding likely at the end of September. Um he told Andrew Ivins of 24-7 Sports that I think he's visiting Pitt for one one of their opening games, and I believe um, either AM or Georgia. I'll have to re- re- read it back again. But uh, he he, had, he set two unofficials, I believe, for, for that month, that first month um, of college football. Um, he, you know, it's interesting. Like, Brennan can chime in here, too, because he, he's well uh, informed on this recruitment. But I, but I think that Florida State actually has a shot here, surprisingly. Um, he's a five-star wide receiver that FSU has been recruiting for quite some time. His teammate, his, his former teammate at, at Stranahan High School down in South Florida is on FSU's roster. They're really good friends. Omar Graham Jr., true freshman linebacker. He spent four days in Tallahassee to close out the month of July. Um, he basically – there was a one-week period where recruits could go anywhere – um, and he chose to go to FSU for for that for more than than half that week. So that was huge. Um, and uh, Ivan's reported that that FSU uh, or people close to him are, are noting that FSU visit us as a noteworthy one, and and that FSU made a, a real great move uh, with Hakeem. I think Texas A&M is still viewed as as the top threat in his recruitment. Miami's involved. Pitt, like I mentioned before, is involved. He has a really good relationship with one of their receiver coach or the receiver coach, I think uh, Taekwon Underwood. Um, he was at Rutgers before and he, he mm-hmm. got him on campus a bunch at Rutgers, surprisingly. Um, and then Georgia is another school that you can't discount in that one. So it'll be a tough, uh, you know, battle to win, but I think FSU has a shot. And, and especially if, the, if they start um, the 2022 season strong. All right. I love it. That's what we need. That's what they need. They need a, they need a player like Hakeem Williams. Brendan, special teams, thumbs up, thumbs down. We're going to rapid fire these. Uh, uh, thumbs down. Thumbs down? Down. Why? Okay. Thumbs down. So for those of you listening, thumbs down from oh, Brendan. Sorry, guys. Yeah, my bad. What thumbs a great down. podcaster. Ooh, yeah. Woof. Woof. I'm sorry. You put the camera in front of me and I freeze up. Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of faith in the kicking game right now, which is a big part of it. Uh, I, I am curious to see what the return game looks like this season. I think they do have better caliber athlete returning the ball, which should be helpful. But uh, I guess this is one of the things you can put me in the uh, need to see it to believe it camp, uh, a Chris knee, a Chris knee joint. Tight ends, the most concerning group of the whole team. Yes. Bye. 
Ooh, I like it. Do we do we trust Renardo? Whatever Zach called him as a nickname Day, earlier. Day Day, what was Duda, it? Duda. 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 Do we trust Duda at cornerback? I do. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Uh, how good do you think the D line can be? Uh, good. I mean, you have two really high end defensive tackles. Uh, Jared versus really athletic, still somewhat raw, but getting better. Dennis Briggs looks pretty damn good in camp. So if you get some some rush end speed between Derek and Clendon and Jared Verse, I think you'll be solid this year. I think it's an above average defensive line with potential to be quite good if you uh, you find someone who can generate pressure off the edge. I think this is one that everybody's going to really want to hear an answer to. Over or under Winston Wright playing by game six. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's so funny because like his his camp was really optimistic that he would play day one. Um, I'm I'm confident that will not happen at this point. Uh, game six. That's tough. That's tough. It's just because there's so many elements of like with the injury and the way the injury happened. Like I don't I don't want to say that I don't think the kid is not going to be able to play the season. Just it, It'd be a really great. I'll put it this way: it'll be a really great story if he is able to play mid, middle of the year and give you high quality snaps. He's working really hard to do that. Um, maybe that's the best way I can put it. Well, Brennan, you you reported after the scrimmage that there were no major injuries, mm-hmm. and so that implied to me that Winston Wright was healthy, right? Well, uh, no injuries occurred in in, <laughs> no, in, no the, in the scrimmage. Please, yeah, please don't give the message boarders fodder for reading in between the lines incorrectly. <laughs> They do Got enough it. of that as as it is. All right, what's next, AB? That that's it. That's it. That's, that's all it. we're going to touch on tonight. There's all a lot of folks worried about quarterback recruiting. Maybe Zach will. Maybe Zach will. I don't know. Maybe we'll get Zach on solo to just talk quarterback recruiting because it's such a hot topic. I don't know. That's Sonone's baby, though. Oh, quarterback okay. recruiting. The, well, the crystal. Yeah, ball. somehow I've fallen into. The, I got a couple weird niches uh, covering recruiting. I guess quarterbacks one of them. All right. Well, that's going to be it for us tonight. We're at an hour and 17 minutes. This is going to be up on the – Brendan, what is it called? What is it officially called? On the bench, colon, an FSU football podcast network. But when we talk about it, we'll just say on the bench podcast network. Okay. So on, check. make sure you get on the on the bench podcast network tomorrow. This is going to be up a replay. This will be up on YouTube. Please be sure before you leave. I'm not answering Dustin Hill questions, Pete. Before you leave, make sure you have smashed the like button. Yeah, Dustin Hill ain't happening, boys. So, I mean, and and girls and ladies, it, and women would, and men, and all the others. It would seem highly, highly unlikely at this point, yeah. given that they just, allocated their last scholarship to Malik Feaster. This, yeah, I would yeah. move on. I would move on from that dream. We all love it, but it is what it is. Uh, be sure to hit the like button if you're not subscribed. Subscribe here. Subscribe at X's and Knowles. Get over and subscribe at Knowles twenty four seven. Do all the great things. Hit the ring so you don't miss this. Yeah, yeah. Hit the little bell. Get the, the notifications. Noti yeah. gang. Everybody talks about notification gang. Get in there. Ding, ding, ding. All right. And lastly, what's coming up this week, Brendan, before we get out of here? Oh, uh, practice returns tomorrow on Monday, Monday, Tuesday, then Wednesday and Thursday, Zach, they'll be in Jacksonville. Or is it Thursday and Friday they'll be in Jacksonville? They're going to UNF uh, for a couple it's days. Thursday and Friday. Thursday no, and Friday. Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday and so Thursday. I was right the first time. Thanks. Yeah. Good job. Good job, Dynamite there. And then they will have a second and I believe final scrimmage of the preseason on Saturday. So we got that going on. There's currently a 50% off promo at Knowles 24-7. It was 60%. 
you lost 10% and you snooze, you lose, but there's 50% ongoing. Uh, it's company wide uh, for different websites. So we have that going on. Uh, I think that's everything right now. Uh, right, Zach? Maybe some as commitment watch for a few players this week or next week. It's, it's this week. Yeah, this upcoming week, I'd be on the lookout. Um, Tavion Gadsden should be making a decision within the next few days. I think by the end of this coming weekend, I expect him to be committed to a school. Uh, FSU is the current 24-7 sports crystal ball leader for him. And then Blake Nicholson is another guy that I think could make a decision soon. He has not set a commitment date yet, um, but I think that could get set up uh, in the near future. Okay. All right. You heard it. We're out. Uh Sam Sunglin's mom. We do like him as a player. We're sorry. We didn't mean to, I think she's long gone. So we didn't um, want to make we didn't mean to make anybody upset tonight. Oh Go boy. To, um, oh boy. If you if you're catching this after the fact, try to make it to the stream. We try to answer questions and, and have a good time on here. Um uh those of you ha- who showed up, thanks. We we had three hundred in here at one point in time. So that was that was that was a good time, fun time, active chat. Uh so <laughs> catch us next time uh as as we come back and do this again. Uh, and we'll we'll see you soon. For drag queens to save the world. world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. (laughs) Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.